begin by going to John chapter 3. Gordon Udall was doing a uh, series. He's one of our teaching elders, and he did a great, began a great series last Wednesday night, so I would encourage you to watch it and then to be here on Wednesday night. And he began in the same verse. I thought he was going to preach my message today, but I'm going in a little different direction. This is Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. It's been jokingly said this was Nick at night, but that's another... Um, and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God because no one else can do the things that you do unless God is with him. He was sincere, one of the Pharisees. And Jesus answered and said to him, that's interesting because this doesn't seem to be the question that he asked. Answered him and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. And that was Gordon, part of Gordon's message on Wednesday night. But I want to go from a little different angle. And Nicodemus said, so he said, how can, go back to verse 3. Unless one is born again, that's a term that's thrown around so much in the church and in the world today. But literally what that word means is born a second time and from above. It has both of those meanings. We cannot see or know or enter the kingdom of God. So this is Nicodemus' response. So Jesus, the whole point of this little section here is Jesus is trying to teach Nicodemus a spiritual reality. And Nicodemus, because human, even though he's a, even though he's a priest, even though he's one of the, the Pharisees or Sadducees, his mind, like your mind and my mind as we come in today, is on physical, natural things, our body, our natural mind and understanding. And Jesus wants to introduce him to a spiritual reality, to a spiritual truth that's critical for all of us to understand. So Nicodemus is still stuck in his own mind trying to understand what does it mean to be born again. Nicodemus says to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Because Nicodemus is thinking in terms of a physical birth. And he's saying, look, I'm 50, 60, whatever years. How can, how can I be born a second time? I'm already here. And now he takes it even further. Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? How can I get back into my mother's womb? She may not even been alive and come forth. So he's thinking about a physical birth of the body and Jesus is trying to introduce him to a spiritual birth that is, is, is even more essential. Verse 5. And Jesus answered. He says again, most assuredly, verily, verily, I think the King James says, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what Jesus is saying here, there have to be two births, and they're different. Now, a number of people, some theology, theolo- people that teach the Bible, uh, think that what Jesus is talking here about is water baptism. But that's not the context here. He's drawing the distinction between something, an event that's physical that gives you life and an event that's spiritual that gives you eternal life. So he's not talking about the water baptism. He's talking about the water of your mother's womb. So that when you're born, at some point, the water that, you're, that, you're, that you were contained in and you weren't a fetus, you were a living being. You were a child in your mother's womb. 
and you were protected by the amniotic fluid, which was what you were cushioned against from when your mother bumped into things and walked around. But at some point in the birth process, that has to come forth, and you are born out of water. So the water here refers to the physical birth of your body. So Jesus is saying, in order to enter heaven, you have to have a physical birth, you have to be a human being, and then there's a second birth, which is what he's introducing to. You can, born of the water and of the Spirit. So just as your parents' physical, bo- physical bodies came together and produced your physical body, so some union has to take place to produce a new spiritual being in you. In John chapter 1, Jesus is talking about this, and we're not going to put it up there, but in, from verse 9 to verse 13, Jesus says, the, the, the John says, says that, that, uh, that he came unto his own, and his own knew him not. But to those who received him, he gave them the right to become a child of God. Listen to this. Born not from the will of physical parents, but born of and the Greek word there is ek, out of God. So the birth he's saying is not, he's, John is saying what he came to bring was a birth, but not the birth that your parents produced in you. Their birth produced in you your physical body. But to those that would receive Christ, he would give them a spiritual birth where literally his life would be conceived in you and born in you. When the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, he said, the son, God wants to conceive the Son of God in your womb, and the angel of the high will overcome you, and the Holy Spirit will overpower you, overshadow you, and he will conceive in you. He will plant the seed of God's Spirit in you so that the one that's born of you will be a son of God. Well, once God's Spirit was sown into you, guess what that makes you also? It makes you a son or child of God. Listen carefully, just as much as Jesus is a son of God. I wouldn't have the nerve to say that if Jesus didn't say that himself. So what Jesus is doing here is Jesus is trying to teach Nicodemus this spiritual reality by reminding him and pointing to something physical that he's been through. Why? Because our carnal, unrenewed minds have trouble truly receiving and grasping the reality and the power of what God does spiritually when he comes to live inside of you and of what you did when you opened your heart to receive Christ and what happened in you. So just as that physical birth Jesus is using to teach them a spiritual reality, so what we're going to do today, the physical baptism of somebody going into the water, going down under the water and coming back up, is to teach and instill in them and us the spiritual reality of what you did when you came to Christ and he came to live inside of you. So we're going to look at what that spiritual reality is. And we covered that a little bit uh, before. Jesus goes on to say in, in verse uh, 7, I think it is, that which is born of the flesh, don't marvel that I say you must be born again, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. So your body came from your parents. That which is born of the spirit is spirit, verse 7, verse 8 now. 
The wind blows where it wishes, and you do not hear the sound of it. What's the, now he's using a different example. The wind blows where it wishes, and you can hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. What he's saying is, you can't see the wind, but you can tell it's been here. You can't tell where it's coming from by seeing the wind, and you can't tell where it's going by seeing the wind, but you can get some idea by which direction the trees are bending over. So in the same way, you can't see the Spirit come into a man, but you can see the results of that Spirit in that man. So again, Jesus is using a physical event that we're very familiar with that our senses are, are aware of to communicate a, fit, a spiritual reality. In the same way, going into water and being immersed in that water and coming back up in that water gets into our senses the reality that we're going to talk about for a few minutes today. So, let's go back and quickly review again what the word baptize means. I talked to you several weeks ago. The word baptize is not actually an English word. It's a Greek word that's been transliterated over into English. We've taken it out of the Greek and use it as a term for baptize. But it's the Greek word baptizo, which literally means to be immersed or soaked into. And the roots of that word go back to the process where they would dye linen, cloth, and they would take white linen, and if they, they wanted to make a red robe or a blue robe out of that white linen, they would take that white linen and they would immerse it into the blue dye or the red dye. And when they did that, listen carefully, those linen fibers absorbed into them that dye and its color. So now when the cloth was brought back up out of the dye, that cloth was one with that blue dye. So baptism speaks of union, of being joined together with and being combined so that the qualities of one are now in the quality of the other. So that white linen is now blue or purple or red, depending on the characteristics of that dye. And I suggest to you that when you're baptized into Christ, you are now immersed into Him, and you become joined to Him. Jesus said, if you abide in me, you become one. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. So many verses about in Him, in Christ, through Christ, all speak of one thing. When you received Christ, you didn't just join something, you were joined spiritually to Him by the Holy Spirit so that He now lives in you. I've been crucified with Christ, Paul wrote. Therefore, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh and blood body that came from my parents, I now live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself Amen. for me. And that's what baptism is to signify. So when it says you've been baptized into Christ, it's referring to not your water baptism. That's the symbol of what you've done. It's your physical, spiritual union with him. And this is the understanding that your church lacks today. This is why the church is so anemic. This is why the church is so selfish. 
This is why the church is so carnal, and I'm not talking to you, of course. I'm talking to all the other churches around there. But you can listen in on the conversation. Because we don't know what happened to us. We think when we received Christ, it gave us a fire insurance policy, so when I die, I don't have to go to hell. But the reason when you die, you don't have to go to hell is not just because God forgave your sins, it's because He made you as holy as He is. Because only those that are as holy as God can enter into His presence and live in His kingdom. And you can't do that in your strength. So God had to take the son, His Son's righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21, I'm already off my notes. 5.21, He who knew no sin, that's Jesus, He was sinless, became sin yours and mine, so that we might become the righteousness of God because we're in Christ Jesus who is righteous. The righteousness you've been given is not your own. It's not a separate quality you have. It's not a separate possession you have. The reason you have the righteousness of Christ is because you are in the one who's righteous. But God couldn't do that until your sins were paid for. So having said that, we're going to look in Romans 6 quickly. Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 basically say this. Romans 1 and 2 talk about that, that, that we none of us qualify because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he talks about the Jews and the Greeks and the world and the church, basically. And then in chapter 3, he says, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then chapter 4, he introduces this idea that we're saved not by our good works, but we're saved by our faith alone in what Christ did for us. And then chapter 5 talks about the victory that this, that this work of Christ has done, and, God, and it's described by Paul as this gift of grace. And then he ends by saying, Say, what shall we say? He ends by saying that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So the question then is, well, if, sins, if, if, if God's grace increases as sin increases, then let's go sin even more so God's grace, God's grace can be shown every more. And so chapter 6 is Paul correcting that. And see, there's teachings on grace out there which are wonderful. We need to hear about God's grace. But if you only hear about God's grace, you can begin to get this same attitude. Well, God's grace covers everything, so I can live my life the way I want. And then you don't understand what you did when you received Christ. And that's what he's going to talk about, and we're going to talk about quickly here. Let's go to verse 3. Don't you know that as many as of, of us as were baptized into Christ did not join a club. That as many as of us as were baptized into Christ did not join a church. That as many of us as were baptized into Christ did not become a Christian. You did, but that's not why you're a Christian. That as many of us are baptized in Christ or now don't have to go to hell. No, look, look what he's telling them. This is what he's correcting. He says, you don't understand what you did. Don't you know as many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death. Remember what the word baptized means. It means to be immersed into the extent that you become soaked with 
and become one with whatever you were baptized into. It means you were joined together. So whereas that cloth, before it goes into the dye, has not the slightest indication of the blue or the red or the purple, once it's been baptized into that dye, it now forever is going to reflect what it was baptized into because they're now one. So the history, the qualities, the character of that dye are now the history and character and qualities of that linen. Let's bring it down to a human level. And I mentioned this two weeks ago. 54 years ago, last, this last July, Anita and I stood before a minister. Neither of us were Christians, had no clue what we're doing. She may have, I had no clue. And, and we made a pledge before God by which God joined us together in holy matrimony. And the Bible teaches us that this relationship is different than any other relationship because when we came together, in God's eyes, He did something supernatural. He took two individuals and made us one. And it was wonderful and glorious. But we had no clue what we were doing. She thought she was now been made one with this handsome, Ivy League-looking young guy with, full of sandy blonde hair with a future as a successful lawyer. That's what she thought, because that's what she could see. And that's the little of me she knew. But she didn't understand what came with me were 22 years of baggage from the way I was raised. What came with me was selfishness and self-centeredness. What came with me were habits that were different than the habits she had. What came with me was insecurity that for 10 years was a living hell for her because I was trying to make her into what I thought I needed her to be because I couldn't believe that anybody could really love me unless they were perfect. She didn't know that when she married, but she was joined to all that baggage as well as the handsome hair <laughs> and the nice smile. Because when she was joined to me, she got everything that I'd ever experienced, never been through. And I got sweetness and gentleness, and I won't go there. So when you were baptized into Christ, whether it was this today, last year, when you were baptized into Christ three years ago, five years ago, you were joined together with Him, and listen carefully, and everything He went through. Which means His death is now your death. And not only do you get the benefit of His death, but you're joined to it, and you must also go through it. But it's not a death like He went, it's a death to yourself. He had to die to himself to go to the cross. In Matthew's account, three times on his knees, he cried out, Father, if there's some other way, if there's some other way, may this cup pass from me. And three times in prayer on his knees, he had to say, not my will, not my will, which means he had a will that he now had to submit. He had to die to his own will so that you and I would not have to die eternally. And you and I are joined into that death, which means we have to experience that same death. But it's a death to self. 
Let's go on quickly because we're going to run out of time. Therefore, we're buried with him through baptism into death. So once some, a body has died and is buried, it doesn't have to deal with sin anymore. One place right now in Providence, Rhode Island, where there's no sin is in the morgue. Dead bodies can't sin because they're dead. We were buried with him through baptism unto death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. So the process is this. He died. He was buried. And then when the price was paid, he was raised from the dead to a new life. So that right now, seated on the right hand of God in heaven is a human being that's been born again as a child of the living God. I know that blows your religious teaching, but it's exactly what the Bible says. He is there. And that's why Ephesians 2 says, we are seated together with Him in heavenly places. Listen carefully. In Christ Jesus. And because you're joined with Him, you now have the same victory over sin that he won. You have the same victory over death that he won. He's gone, as the Bible says in Hebrews, he's the forerunner. He's gone ahead for you. He died to sin for you. He died to eternal death for you. And he's been raised with a newness of life that is yours because you are in him. The fullness of that life is when we are literally in heaven with him. But the beginnings of that life are in you today, right now, sitting here in this church or watching at home or wherever you're watching. And the reason we're not experiencing that newness of life is because we're not living out the fact that we're dead to sin along with him. Let's just quickly look through the rest of this. Verse 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. That, that guy that gives me so much trouble sometimes when I wake up in the morning, the guy that wants to get discouraged and depressed, I've learned a secret. I talk to him. And I say, you're not who I am anymore. I'm a new creature in Christ. And you don't have authority over me anymore. When my body wants to do things I know it shouldn't do, I can talk to my body because that's not who I am. I still carry it around. It's like carrying a corpse around. They stink after a while. But that's not who you are. You died to that person. You've been buried. He's been buried. And you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. His life is in you. And he's defeated the power of sin in your life. And he's defeated the power of death. 
knowing that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Verse 7, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Right now, if you are in Christ, sin does not have dominion over you. If it does, it's because you've allowed it to, and in most cases, because we didn't realize who we really are. Go quickly. Verse 8. For if we died with Christ, we believe shall live with him, knowing this, that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. And if it no longer has dominion over him because we're in him, it means it no longer has dominion over me and over you. Yeah, but people die. You know, that's their body. There's a wonderful quote I saw this week Tony Cook posted from D.L. Moody. He said, someday you're going to read in the newspaper that D.L. Moody died. Don't you believe a word of it? Because on that day, D.L. Moody will be more alive than he ever was when you saw him on this earth. Because D.L. Moody was born on April 21st, 1856. And that D.L. Moody will never die. All physical death is, is like taking this coat off that makes you feel hot and restricted and just dropping it off and you'll be free. 1 Corinthians 15 says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Because the sting of death is sin and sin has been paid for for you. So... This is what we're here to do. So when you've been baptized, water baptism is the physical act representing to the world and to your senses that you've died with Christ, you've been buried with Him, you've been raised to newness of life, and you shall learn how to learn to live this out every day. Before we call people up, because what we're going to do in a minute is we're going to call those up that are going to be baptized today because I'm just going to have them share just a little bit so we know who they are and what they're about to do. And then we'll have them and their families go next door. And we're going to see it on the screens here. And we're going to have the time of worship here. But before we do that, I want to say two things. This is, we're doing it on Sunday morning because as I've been learning, a water baptism is not an individual event. It's not just something happening in their lives because they're not just joined to Christ because you and I are in Christ they're joined to us also. See, when you become a Christian, we're joined to one another just as we're joined to Christ because if, if Gary's joined to Christ and I'm joined to Christ, Gary and I are joined to each other because we're joined to each other through Christ. It's those stones that Tony Cook talked about last week. So we're going to be participants in this by worshiping. But before we do that, there might be somebody that's here this morning that's never done what we talked about today. You've never given your life to Christ. You've never let him come into your life. Revelation says, Behold, he stands at the door of your heart and knocks. If you'll just open the door and let him come in, he will come into your life and bring this newness of life, bring this victory over death, bring all the things that we talked about into your life today. So if that's you this morning and you've never done that, I want to help you this morning, whether you're watching online or you're watching, or you're here this morning. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. And those of you that are all of us joined, those of you watching online, you may pray also. Please do. Say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. You know everything I've ever done, everything I've ever said, everything I ever thought. 
for whatever did not please you, I ask you to forgive me. Jesus, come into my life as my Savior and take my life into your hands and be Lord. Fill me with your Spirit that I may live strong for you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're watching online and you've done that today, if you call the number, there should be a number at your bottom of your screen or there will be before the end of the service. Call that number tomorrow. Somebody will answer the phone. We want to send some free material out to you. If you're here and you've done that, we usually dismiss you to go out back so you can get the same material, but I would encourage you to be part of this baptism service. If you did not sign up, to be baptized, you can still come and be baptized. We brought some extra towels and things for you. So if, if this, you're just inspired by this, you're welcome. You don't have to wait till the next time. So here's what I'm going to do. If you're being baptized, just let us know who you are and why you're doing what you're doing. Dave, I'm going to use just this for now. No, I'm not. I'm going to switch back and forth. I just remembered something. <laughs> All right. We're going to do this quickly because I took too much time. Just tell us your name. My name is Mario. Mario, okay. Have you received Christ as your Savior? I will today. All right, okay. All right. Have you ever prayed the prayer before? No, I have not. Oh, Pastor. this is your first? Oh. First time. All right. Well, welcome to the family of God. You did pray, so praise God. Thank you, Pastor. All right. We're honored to have you. Tell us your name. And I'm Terrell. Okay. Have you received Christ as your Savior? Today's my, today today my first day. This is your first day? Yeah. All right. Praise God. Okay. I want to say something to you. You have no idea what you've done. <laughs> that's, and that's exactly the way God intended it. I had no idea, and I was 37 years old, all right? It's a growing process. But what you've done is you've received him to live in your heart. And it's a process of you getting to know him and him getting to know you. So you've begun a journey today that's so exciting. Praise God. All right, would you pass? Okay, and your name, please? Victoria. Okay, Victoria. Have you received Christ as your Savior? Yes. Today? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're on a string here. <laughs> you remember when you did it? How long ago? About? Um, I believe it was 2016. Hold it up a little bit more. 2016. 2016. Mm -hmm. All right. Have you noticed a difference in your life? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. You feel more alive? I do. All right. Okay. You understand what you're doing today? Yeah. I feel like this is the part that's missing. Okay. All right. <laughs> Praise God. And you're ready? Yes. All right. Okay. <laughs> I know you're ready. <laughs> Hello, name, guys. Uh, my name is uh, Jazio Guzman, and uh, I gave myself to the Lord maybe like what, almost six months ago. Okay. And uh, choose to get baptized so I can have a deep relationship with God. Okay. All right. You see a difference in your life? Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, pe people don't know how much uh, it, it takes, you know, to serve the Lord, and, and, and how much He can, you know, how much uh, He could give you with things when you do it. You know. You know, I try, try to tell people, you know, like when it, it, it takes a lot, you know, to, to give yourself to the Lord because some people say, hey, man, you know, uh, they still want to party and stuff like that. But I realized, you know, when I gave myself to the Lord that uh, he, he's blessed me and gifted me with stuff and, and, you know, I'm glad to serve him, you know. 
That's a sign he's living in you. Always, and it man. shows in your face. Too. Always. Okay, good. Hi, I'm Candace. I, um, I've been saved since 2019. Okay. I dealt with a big uh, deal with breast cancer. I'm a breast cancer survivor, and All I right. came into the Lord. And uh, he's blessed me. He's blessed me with my family, my future husband, my sister, and I love him. I love it all. And you know what you're doing today? Yes, I do. All right, we're excited for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Sue. You, have you received Christ as your Savior? I have, yes. Do you remember when? Um, I had a, an experience with Jesus in uh, 2014, and then I uh, walked one foot in, one foot out. I was lukewarm for about three or four years. So I'd say in the past, the three to four years. Okay. All yeah. right. This will even make it stronger for you. Praise your Jesus. All right. Yes. You ready to do this? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Please say your name. My name is Tyro. Okay. How old are you? 14. Okay. All right. Do you understand what you're doing today? No. Huh? No. You don't? <laughs> are you ready to do this? Yeah. Have, have you received Christ as your Savior? No. You have? You're a little shy? Yeah, I understand that. Okay, all right, that's fine. Go ahead. How you doing? I'm Mark. Okay. Have you received Christ as your Savior? Yes. Okay, uh, do you remember about, about two when? Two years ago. Okay, all right. You made a difference in your life? Absolutely. All right. You ready to be baptized today? Certainly am. Okay. You're next. My name is Tyrone. Okay. Um, you received Christ as your Savior? Okay. Yes. Remember when? I don't know the year, but That's I was okay. six years old when that happened. Okay. And, do, you, do you believe that he lives in you? Yeah. All right. You're ready to be baptized today? Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. Your last year. <laughs> your name. That's okay. Sylvia. Okay. You know your name, don't you? Yes. Okay, good. I thought so. It's not a trick question. <laughs> oh, thank you, dear. And you can receive Christ as your Savior? Yes. Okay. My best friend brought me. She's like my sister. Okay. All right. Do you remember about when? Last night. Not too long ago. Okay. Oh, all right. She needs some Kleenex. Okay. Are you ready to be baptized? Yes. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Okay. Thank you. Here you go. You're being baptized. No, you've been baptized. I was there. <laughs> all right. Here's what we're going to do. Thank you. I'm going to shorten it down. We're going to ask you to go. You all had instructions. Uh, those of you that didn't hear for the instructions, they'll tell you when you get over there. So I'm going to ask you two to go last, okay, because that will give you some idea. So if you'd all head over there and families, if you want to go over and join them, there's chairs for you over there. And I'm going to ask the rest of us to stand. We're going to worship. They're going to put this on the screen. And we're going to stand and we're going to worship while they do this together.
thank the ushers and those that help with that. <laughs> Two of them just gave their life to the Lord this morning, the lady at the end last night. What a great way to begin. We want to get them to take some kind of public step. I can't think of any greater public step than I see water there. Is there anything that hinders me than being baptized? Thank you guys so much for being part of this this morning. Because this is something we all go through together. I do want to announce, Brenda, don't close that all the way. It's over here, right, Pastor Ray? The yes. kit, yeah, okay. Um, I should have announced it earlier. 